Welcome to episode 749 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 749 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. It's The sun is shining. It's nice and warm. I've been out for my outdoor swim early this morning, biked up here. Happy days. It is. It's summer is here in New Zealand. Well, I'm a little concerned for you. Why? Is your office moving? What do you mean? Well, I, I, when I pull into Bevan's place, I always just help, let my, set myself in, ring the doorbell, open the door, go into the garage, open up the garage door, put my bike yeah. in there. Oh. And there's a desk in there, and I'm thinking, Bevan is really pissed off Joe, and he's been yeah. banished I'm out to of the here. garage. No, I bought a stand-up desk. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I've got a bit of back injury, and uh, a, a surgeon who's a, one of our runners, he'd get a stand-up desk. Um, so I have. So I've been using a Have you used a stand-up desk? I have not. Um, I recommend it. Take some adjusting? No, it doesn't actually. Um, my back is pretty bad at the moment, so it's actually standing a bit better than sitting for long periods. Um, and I did my research. They're kind of saying you want to do like an hour at a time. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be standing all day either. That's mm. actually not good for the back either. Um, but you kind of you want to be sitting down for like an hour, stand up for an hour. And mm-hmm. um, so and I sit a lot, mm-hmm. you know, because I spend a lot of time behind the computer. Mm. I, I do my exercise every day, but most of my time is just sitting. Mm. And there's, I got one at the warehouse or stationery for like 450 bucks, and it's right. really good. You might have to have a look. Yeah, and I, I do recommend it actually. Yeah, no, it's. Um, and the other thing you do is when you're not, so like right now it's up. So mm-hmm. if you're just popping into your office, you don't have to sit down. Yep. You know, when you just pop and just do something for a yep. minute. So, yeah, so actually, I highly recommend it. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So, there you go. There's, there, there's my Bevan's tip for the week. <laughs> Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by. You can. It's sports nutrition that gives you longer lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. And our patrons. You go first, Jombo. Andrew Diplodocus Kerr. Oh, good old, good work. Andrew Victory Vickery. Roger the Dodge Dooley. And we've got Rob Dutchy lines. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. We are talking to Tim O'Donnell, who raced in the Challenge Daytona race, also involved heavily in the PTO, as well as you can. Uh, Coach's Corner, Whips of the Week, Winger of the Week, and a good question and for questions and answers. John, news is going to be short. It is indeed. There's really not much news. However... I was literally talking to somebody on Australia yesterday on the phone when an announcement came through. Big news, mate. Big news. So uh, the borders between Australia and New Zealand, Aussies, you may not have seen this news yet, uh, are going to be opening in the early part of next year before, in the first quarter of next year, so definitely by the end of March. So rest of the world, you don't need to listen to this, but for us, the Aussies have opened our borders to us for ages, well, for... A yeah, little we, while, we, we can go, go over there, yeah. but we can't come back. Yeah. And so now, Aussies, you can come over here from some stage March onwards. Just so happens that in April, <laughs> there's, there's a camp. camp. You guys want to come over? You, you rang Jacinda, didn't you? I did. You I said, ran. Jacinda, I voted for you. Did you vote for Jacinda? I did not. Yes, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> so if you keep, Aussies are keen for a little bit of a travel to start off your new year in a good way. If you're doing a mid-season race uh, or sort of late summer race for you guys, doing my Top of the South tour for five-day camp, uh, check out epiccamp.com. It is open for pretty much all abilities. It's not a... a Nut bar one where you've got to be sub nine hours or anything like that. So if you're keen, it's an awesome, awesome route. It's part of one of my favourite parts of the country around the top of the South Island. So check it out on epiccamp.com. It's a top of the top of the South mini epic camp. It is pretty like I know it, it, things are looking up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the, we've got the um, vaccine started. Well, yeah. but, it, you know, it is definitely everyone, we're going, you know what, we're heading in a better direction. It's pretty exciting to be able to think we can go to Australia next year for us Kiwis and Australians mm-hmm. coming here. Uh, John, I do have one random question. Yes. What's with the grazers on your knees? <laughs> Funny you should say that. Um, so I was race directing, that's going to lead into the next uh, topic quite nicely. I was race directing at the weekend uh, at an event and it's on a farm and it's got sort of got shingle roads and stuff. Yep. And I, we, there's a house right by the swim exit, which we stay at. Uh, and I had my the uh, easiest way for me to get around on race day is by mountain bike. Nice. So I'm just zipping all over the place between yep. the swim and transition. You, you don't have an electric mountain bike, do you? No, no. no. And uh, I was just pulling off one little stretch and, and it got into a big, I wasn't concentrating, saw my daughter, sort of yelled out to her and then fell off my bike in front of lots of people. Oh no, yeah. the shameful. And it, it's one of, it banged my knee and it really hurt actually, so that's how I did my knee and I've got a few marks on my hands as well. Uh, but did you get up quickly and right away? I did, but I was still a bit sore. I put <laughs> the, the, brave, the brave face on. Well, we did have one big race over the weekend, John, huge race. Massive. World recognised race called the Oxman in Oxford and Christchurch. It was a good race. So Jared Miller took it out. He's a good athlete. He actually was the one who beat me in Challenge Monica a few years ago. Uh, he came home with a very strong 119.06. Uh, he won 4.14.50 in front of Tyrone Hellier, who ran really well to run himself up to second because I think he was down in maybe fourth. It was, it was really good. There was four guys that were all within Kiwi of each other and uh, quite a few lead changes. So that was good. And Tom Somerville, uh, doing his first half Ironman, finished in 4.18.03. So good on him. Then on the female side, uh, we had a winner who I don't, didn't even get to meet her, but Natalie Price. I think she was wearing like a Callum Millwood sort of cupcakes cartel top. Oh. Uh, she swam 31, rode a 2.48, which is pretty solid on that course, and then ran a really good 1.32. And to run a 132, she beat Olivia Ritchie in second place, and Olivia Ritchie won the Queensland Half Marathon a couple of weeks ago. So to beat her, she's a pretty demon runner. And Martina Rearford from Timaru was in third. Now you do have, John's just got an, uh, an abbreviation? No, an acronym. So Yeah, an acronym. Yeah. So we had several athletes who you have heard on the show over John, the years. There's one way you get John angry. It's don't read the manual. Oh, I had a few people ask me questions. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to not even say anything because I'm just going to get a bit angry. However, we had two prominent athletes who you've heard on the show before, both been epic campers. One followed two schmucks uh, on the wrong direction on the bike ride. So it's like I'm always really annoyed if I've made a mistake that is an error through me not giving Marshall's instructions and somebody yep. goes the wrong way. I'm like, yep. I Hand feel up. really, really bad about yep. that. But I still haven't quite got to the bottom of this, but somehow they managed to cut the course. How many? They, uh, there was three, but they followed each other. So somebody made the turn uh, that, where there wasn't and, and then two others followed them and they ended up completely off course. So how much did they end up doing? What distance did they end up doing? They didn't even do the proper course. Uh. So, yeah. <laughs> so they made it back to transition, but they, they sort of, came in a different way and that was one and then another very prominent listener of the show uh, can I name names can I name and shame let's just say Hammer Hammer Holy yeah (laughs) Um, aqua bike option you had to swim and then the the bike finished when you entered transition however the timing mat the bike transitions into the bike transition is when you you finished race yeah and so you had the option so there was no finish line as such no you had the the reason for that is the finish line was 1.4 kilometres away Okay. so you had the option of running there but that wasn't included in your time Uh, so you dismount the bike but the timing mat was at the entry point to transition you had to run a whole lap round transition to get to the entry point 
So what, you just mount your bike, run around to the finish line, you're done. Yep. And but finish on within the entry point. Well, you run around and you enter the transition. In theory, you go and then you go and rack your bike and then you bugger off. Okay. Some people decided not to go and rack their bike. They came across the dismount line and went off and then just went to the car thinking that there was a timing mat at the dismount uh-huh. point. I could have been maybe, maybe I could have been slightly more specific, but uh, it's a good acronym and I, it took me a couple of seconds to read it, figure it out. RTFM. Read the effing manual. Yeah. Yeah, Come on, Murray. So. Oh, holy yeah. <laughs> Sharpen up, Got to give Murray his juice, though. He took well, it who, oh, No, sorry, that oh, nameless oh, oh, person. Sorry, yep, yep. Broke my garage yesterday, my garage door. Oh, I had to break your garage door. I've broken it several times. If, I, if you just shut it on something, it, it dismount, disconnects, and I can usually fix it. Yesterday, I couldn't fix it, and Belinda said, Murray's fixed that garage door for me once before after Epic Camp. He knows exactly what he's doing. Text Murray, came around this morning at like 5.30 in the morning, fixed my garage door. So all was redeemed. Um, is he a pretty good handyman, is he? I think Murray is a good, pretty good handyman. Yeah. He's a good handyman. Any other, any other good pieces from the race? Um, good pieces? Well, we had our first visit from the Westpac rescue helicopter, which Ooh. was rather stressful when you've got a helicopter coming in. And I kind of stayed, like there was enough people on it. It was like, I'm not yeah. adding any value if I go and give my two cents worth. So I stayed out of it. And uh, that was pretty worrying. Yeah. It wasn't a crash or anything. It was a, a medical incident. So that was quite worrying for me. Yeah. Outside of that, it went really, really well. Everybody, happy campers. So next year? Next year, December 12th. Uh, yeah, really cool bike course. Everybody was thrilled with that. Good interaction, three-lap run course, and lots of events going on. So there's always, there's, until you're, if you're one of the slower athletes, it gets a little bit lonely on the last run, on the last lap. Yeah. But outside of that, there's normally people about, and just a good, uh, good relaxed vibe. And I, I, that's the ethos I have. It's like, I want a, lo- a race with a lower entry fee. You don't get all the shit in your race yep. pack. Just you, get a, you do get a finishers medal, prizes. You get some there's some prizes and stuff, but just take all the cost out and have just race. have a good race. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't. Barbecue and stuff like that. It's all oh, good. you have your bangers. Yep. Oh, it's all good. Bangers on the barbie. Uh, we've got another race coming up now. It's called the Red Sea, uh, the, the Red sea Town of, I'm going to say Hingana? Hingana? Yeah, so this is a 70.3 announced... It's but in Egypt. This is good. This will be awesome. So oh, my yeah. all-time favourite holiday ever is going to, to Egypt. Wait, so, you've been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what was it like? It was awesome. Why? Um, just the history and the remoteness and the stuff that they, those bloody Egyptians did in the early days. is just mind-blowing. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so we flew down to Luxor and stayed a um, few nights there and then went up to Cairo just for a day, did an overnight train. Checked out Cairo for the day and then got the overnight. What's it like when you see like the pyramids and stuff and oh, the Sphinx amazing. and stuff? Is it just, really? You're just like, how the hell did they do this? Like those blocks are just ginormous. And it was basically just human labour, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's crazy. Um, so that's why it's kind of cool. Uh, so that's why you know, Iron Man announced these new 70.3s all over the place. But there's two things that appeal here. They're going to a different part of the world, which is yep. I think is great for the development of our sport. Uh, and also, to this like the location, I quickly looked it up. It's sort of um, it's fairly relatively close to Luxor. I think it's like a couple of hundred k. So you could really package this up with an amazing life experience plus doing a cool race. So check it out. It should be uh, pretty cool. It's in, when is it? It's in November next year. Oh, there you go. Uh, John, let's talk, look at oh, course accuracy. Course. The I've ox, got to give myself a kick oh, up the arse. Give yourself a slip around the face, young man. The run was short. I really wanted to have 21.1 kilometres. I'm always criticising companies for not getting it right. Yep. And so I I went out there on Saturday and I made sure it was exactly right. Yep. And just put one cone where the uh, turn point was 
and but the way I've got to measure it, you've got to go across a paddock and all this stuff. So you can't just go and redrive it or anything like that. You've actually got to bike it or run it. Yep. Went out there, like I got up at flipping one o'clock in the morning, no joke, <laughs> and, um, and was going around doing things. Went out there and some fuck one. <laughs> oh, here we go. Whoa. Well, it was dark, but I was like, my cone's gone. Oh, no. Where's my cone gone? And I was pretty sure I knew where, it, what, where the spot was. I was like, the cone's not there. And so I put, I put my cones back out and I was a little bit out. I was really annoyed at myself. So How short were you? A couple hundred meters. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was probably just within the, I think it was 20.8 or 20, maybe okay. 20.9. Acceptable. But it wasn't 21.1. It's acceptable, but it's still yeah. a kick in the ass. <laughs> so sorry about that. So athletes. someone moved your cone. Well, it was dark. But I had my lights on beam and I couldn't see the cone anywhere where it's supposed to be. So I think someone must have moved it. Uh, there you go. I should, listen for me. I should have spray painted the road. Yeah, you should have. That, that's, that, that, mm. yeah, that's 101, John. 101. Yeah. Okay, this week's discussion. So last week we were, we were wondering, putting, uh, putting, oh, sorry, putting a drop off out of the last five minutes of the men's race to one side, what could the PTO have done better to make the event for Daytona a bit of coverage. So. Vicky Jones saying, more coverage of the rest of the field, discussion of who had penalties and why. Jackie Herring, for example, had a five-minute penalty. Why? Overall, though, it was fantastic. I was lucky to s- the coverage didn't cut out until post-race interviews and then came straight back. Um, so my response there, I thought the coverage of the rest of the field was reasonably good, um, especially with the, the ticker. You could see um, where athletes were. But I totally agree. Discussion, the, the commentators didn't have any clue if somebody got a penalty. And that's consistent to other races. They're like speculating, oh, what's happened yeah, there? Yeah, but you think that'd be pretty easy to communicate. So yeah, you? having a, uh, it'd be quite cool if you had the right referees mic'd up to say, right, uh, calling in, right, number 246 has got a penalty for drafting, a bit like they do in American football. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be another element they could add to the, the coverage. Uh, Tom Hemming's got, in contrast to many posters, I thought the commentary was well pitched. Rick Allen, uh, usually NASCAR, as I understand, provided an excellent anchor for the flow of the event. It was a US event with a remit to try and attract new global following, not just appeal to the diehards. And this he did an excellent job asking layman questions at the right moment and allowing others to expand. Not everyone should be an expert. There needs to be a foil. It has to have a balance. I agree somewhat regarding the criticisms of a rowdy gains insight though, but he does have a cool name. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Tim. I thought that yeah, you do need you do need the kind of the, the simple guy asking the question. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil Hastings is one of those guys saying better commentary team. There seemed to be only one Aussie girl, which was uh, good old. Um, Belinda Granger, uh, who knew anything about triathlon and Kevin uh, on the bike, so we only heard one person's opinion. Um, having coaches like Barry, Macca, Frodo, Joe Skipper, Moore, uh, or Reef in commentary would have made it miles better. Uh, the critical part of the race, Ali Browner getting injured and dropping out for some bizarre reason, was missed to focus on Sam Long in about sixth place. Um, the cameraman must have loved Sam Long. Well, he is pretty entertaining, and he was running really, really well. Um, but it wasn't the key moment, was it? wasn't it? the key moment, no. but I, I think they covered yeah I think they couldn't predict exactly when Ali Brownie was going to explode uh, yeah. and well, I thought they'd do okay Brian Fleur's got better coverage and discussion of all the athletes uh, until I referenced the final results I forgot how many incredible athletes there were why bring up so so I bring so many top guys and girls and legends of the sport but put focus on only the handful at the front the entire time. Uh, primes could be called too. First out of the water, fastest lap on the bike, etc. Would help break up the monotony of three hours of racing without much change of scenery. I do think uh, getting a bit innovative would be, you've got to be careful not to go too quirky. 
but I think that might have uh, some appeal. Pike Reardon, show the power slash watts of athletes were generating during the ride portion. Normally I'd say that's really difficult to do accurately, but on a lap course like that, I kind of think that it, it may be a bit more easy to do. Jamie Walls also, Wallace also said, if you're lapped, you're out. Well, that was one of the problems early on. Who was the guy who was... Vice um, was it? Yeah, Michael who was Vice. It, who was in front of the league guys. And mm. in some ways, it was a bit frustrating, you know. Mm. Yeah, it was a tough one. Yeah. But then if, let's say that situation. He, he Hold knew, on, where did he go? You carry on. Well, I'm just thinking he knew if he's, let's say he's lapped, he's out. Yeah. He probably would have pushed pretty hard anyway for them not to catch him. So, yeah, yeah I uh, agree. He, But he's a great athlete he's won lots and lots yeah. of races around the world so he's um, had a terrible swim and he still finished in 28th place so it's not like he was last or anything like that so the problem yeah. with the lap you out is it really screws bad swimmers mm. you know because like, you came out of the water really bad poorly so you might be close to a lap down but you actually potentially could be a good racer and like look at Sanders yeah I'm not sure if he was close to being lapped out in that first lap but if but you no, know what I mean so he, he swam 26.33 he rode. Who's this? Uh, this is Michael Vice. So he was about four minutes down on the leaders. He rode a 142 uh, and ran a 102. So his bike and run were competitive with almost all the athletes, you know, not all of them. But, you know, so let's, if we look at um, Tim O'Donnell, who we're going to be interviewing later on, you combine their two times together and they're exactly the same, I think. Let me have a look. Yeah, pretty much the same. We had a. A two forty four for Tim O'Donnell um, with his swim or with his bike and a run, and Michael Vice is the same two forty four maybe two forty four high, but yeah, I understand what people are saying, but there was a lot of people behind him. Um, Grant Clifton's got. I like the idea of having the biggest movers either forward or backwards, and seeing the order of athletes for individual legs. So swim, bike, run. Commentators, commentators mentioned that Lionel was at forty first out of the water, but there was nowhere to see what the gaps were where, uh, and who he was around. No mention of Matt Hanson until he was coming into sixth place, but be possible be possible uh, to see the places as they're moving up and down. Mm. So maybe a few more spotters on the course, actually. Yeah, giving a bit saying, of a story. Saying what's happening. Yeah. Um, what else do I do? Uh, Coloured swim caps from Mick Simpson. I, yeah, I, I would like that too. I know why they don't do it. It's because, why don't they do it? Well, because then you can really hammer hammer certain people. If, if, oh, so it's athletes don't know. Yeah, um, but I think... But you could literally more. just give them their swim cap as they walk up to the water. Mm. So no, you know, because... I think there's more positives than negatives. Um, do you reckon? Do you reckon they'll just pick on someone? There's a potential. It, it's, it's. I think the thing is, it's then becomes it's not fair. Um, but I think again, I think it's more positives than the negatives. Steve Diodonis, uh for the athletes, better rankings um, slash tracking. Athletes had no idea of what place they were in. This would have made for more blow blow ups near the end. Also, they should. Oh, they should have worn chips so we could see the order after lap one of the swim and see how far back the non-swimmers were. Daytona, Daytona looks like a great place for a Super League type race. Yay. Um, and it was John, I think that pretty much covers them, doesn't it? I, I think one thing that I'm, I've, I was thinking about that, I've been doing a lot of, because I'm a bit injured, mm-hmm. I'm just at the gym a lot more at the moment, so I'm getting to my weights and just doing biking because it's pretty much what's best for my back. And ESPN has a lot of golf on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And golf goes for four hours mm-hmm. you know the reason I think like the golf and the tennis works because you have little moments of play 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you watch a hole, you watch a couple of rounds of, of, you know, a few games of tennis. I think how does triathlon get that component into it? Because when we look at when you're watching the triathlon experience, you're watching a slow moving thing. You're not watching these little moments. So you can, that's the thing with the golf. Like I'll be in the gym and I'll just be doing some weights or something. And, you know, you just watch Gil do a couple of putts or do a big hit. And, you know, so you can watch kind of one hole and that's cool. Mm. Whereas, so that's, I think, why the longer events like tennis, like golf, is that even though they're a long event, there are lots of short moments within a long event. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, how do we, how, and I don't know, I don't know how you can do that within triathlon, but you can see how that makes it a much more challenging thing because we are just kind of slow-moving moments in mm. a long event. I mean, in, a, in a, a draft legal race, I would love to see some preem sprint finish, you know, sprint laps and things like that. Yeah, so stuff like that. But I don't know how you do that in, in a long course race. Um, yeah. Because Super League, I imagine, does that really well. Mm. Well, they do, don't they? Mm. Um, they have these little moments where you, you can just kind of see what's happening in the race. But it's just, I was just found it really fascinating because it was like golf's always on when mm. I'm at the gym. Mm. And it's like, and it's such a long event, but obviously it gets the numbers. Obviously mm. it's reason to have it on TV. Um, but it is also, you can just watch two minutes and see something that's kind of entertaining. Last so. comment I'll make was Tom Ward's. Overall, it was the most enjoyable middle distance coverage I've ever seen to date. Would you go that far? Yep, definitely. Middle distance best ever? Yep, absolutely. In terms of coverage, yep, I would definitely think so. Yeah. I suppose yep. middle distance, not long distance. Yep. Yep. Oh, I don't oh come on. Wow. No, we're talking coverage here. We're not talking the race. Well, I thought what, was, what was the South Africa coverage like? It was reasonable, but it wasn't as good as that. No. The race was awesome. The race was good. The race was awesome. Okay, this week's discussion, John. It's coming up to that time of year. Ho, 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 Santa's coming. <laughs> so we want to know what is the best triathlon gift you can give to a triathlete under $200, which is basically nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's not like going to give them a disc wheel or a new wetsuit, but an under 201. So this is for you guys. If you've got a partner or whatever, they're thinking, what can I give you for Christmas? You can say, go look at the I Am Talk posts and get me something off there. Okay, there we go. So let's go website of the week. Okay, good old the mountains now. It's been a while since he sent something through, but he sent through a YouTube video, which is about 1976. Even before (laughs) YouTube existed. Um, But it's a great video because it shows you how to repair nicks in your wetsuit. And it's just a really good little detailed little video that, let's be honest, a lot of us get nicks in our wetsuits. Oh, yeah. You know, and it just goes, it's only about five minutes long, but just shows you the process. Of how to fix a wetsuit. It was done by Tri Sports, which is still they, they went out. They were almost going to close down, and then uh, somehow they got resurrected. But they're still going. So Tri Sports is what a shop, just an online triathlon shop in the states. Uh, I don't think they've got a physical presence. Maybe they do. Not quite sure. Anyway, um, they did it years and years ago. Pretty simple process to repair those nicks. And if you do get onto them early, then it's going to stop them uh, getting bigger, and it's going to also stop them going all the way through. Plus, it's going to make your suit, you know, just a tickle more. Um, it's not aerodynamic when you're near the water, hydrodynamic. Well, so there you go. well, let's be honest, wetsuits are an expensive thing now. Bloody hell, are they? You know, you what? get a nick and if you don't look after it, it's game over and you've got to buy your whole wetsuit. Mm. Whereas you go on this little clip here, I'm watching him right now, he's putting, he's injecting the black stuff in the little slit. It's very straightforward what he's done. It really is. Yeah, so, because I remember years ago, I got a rip in one of my wetsuits and I had to take it to... What's Seventh Wave probably? Nice one, John Newsome. Like a wetsuit company maker. Yeah, they, they fixed do. it up. They did a good job. Yeah. But do it yourself. 
Exactly. There you go, John. So that's this week's. I'll put a link to that website in the show notes for today. John, do you want to do Coach's Corner or do you want to do the um, interview? Uh, you can choose. We're going to go to corner. Coach's yeah. Corner. Oh, I want some music then. Have me oh, no, because then we're going to have to do okay, you, No, just oh, go. I've been overruled. Coach's <laughs> Corner. Here we go. So this, we got an email from Mick Simpson saying, wondering if John would ever consider doing a Coach's Corner on getting over a disappointing race performance. I raced Outlaw this year. Outlaw X. Outlaw X. What was that? think that might be an iron distance because it's the outlaw and i think the outlaw x might be his iron distance okay and We're, i think the guy um what's his name let's look at that page I mean, the, guy, the guy finished uh, george goodwin i think it was a good goodman goodwin the guy that got third george goodwin who got third in the daytona race cha- the challenge right. championship. he won it pretty sure he won it okay uh the weather was awful and after a consistent year of lockdown training i pulled out 30 miles into the bike with a sore ankle even now, I don't know if I should have just gritted my teeth and got through it, or if I took the easy option. Hearing John say that he's never had the perfect race, I wondered if he ever gets to get if he ever gets over disappointment of not living up to what you think you have. So, the question is, how to overcome a disappointing race? So, I guess in terms of post race, this is the sort of the process that I go through and what I try to go through with with athletes is, you know, and I have had plenty of shitty races in in my time. Oh yeah. Um, as I said before, I've not had the perfect race where everything has gone one hundred percent. I've had plenty and lots of races where I've had two disciplines probably that have gone pretty close to one hundred percent, and maybe the third's been okay. Um, but how, how close have you got to the perfect race? Um, your, your road was pretty great. No, my bike was pretty pretty shit there. I should have oh, been about it? 10 minutes quicker. Okay. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that day I went, what did I go in Roth? Uh, 8.54, I think it was, something like that. I reckon I've got about an 8.45 in me there in okay. the same sort of conditions. So yep. that day there, what did I, my swim was okay, bike was okay. Yeah, it was just an okay across the board. The first time we went to Roth, uh, swim was amazing. Yeah, I had an amazing swim there too. Yeah, I think it was. I don't know. For whatever reason, that year it was pretty pretty yeah. quick. I was uh, 54. Yeah, <laughs> bike was pretty uh, mediocre. And yeah, my bike was average. Run was was really good. Ran you know three hours and you ran five three hours seconds. Later, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Five, something like that. So well, it was just a little bit short, but we won't say <laughs> anything about that. <laughs> so I guess yeah, post race for me, this is the process I'd, I'd go through. Firstly, be pragmatic. You know, uh, again, if I use myself as an example, Kona when we did that in 2014, it was just misery, and I got over it pretty quick. But I put a little, two years of effort into that. But at the end of the day, I'm pretty pragmatic, saying shit happens. Start evaluating, and then just. We have a saying in New Zealand, flush a dunny and move on. I've never heard that saying in my life. You have so. Is that all black never, coach? I've never heard someone Steve say, Steve Hansen. Flush a dunny. Steve Hansen, the all black coach. Was it Steve Hansen or was it Graham Henry? One of the two. He did it. They just said, flush a dunny, move on. Never heard it. Well, well you've been educated today. Okay, well, there you go. I've learned one of New Zealand's so most popular sayings. Be pragmatic. You've flush the dunny. No, you've done your poo. You evaluate your performance. You've had your shit. And then flush, <laughs> flush it away. The dunny. Uh, so then that moves on to before you're flushed. Uh, oh, before you flush your you're wife. You've got to analyse your performance. <laughs> and one of the things that I think a lot of people really don't do well is give yourself credit for the things that you do well. Yeah, what did I do well in this performance? Yeah. And so you're not trying to make, I'm not trying to sugarcoat things here. You've really got to do that and you've got to do it in training. And I think at the moment it's even more important than ever that if you have a good training session and you perform well or you or you box through a difficult situation, you give yourself a pat on the back and go, 
that was pretty bloody good. I'm really pleased with the way I executed that session, or I really enjoyed that session, and takes take that away from that session. Well, all the one, race. one thing I've, I've a lot of people are really good at diminishing, even when they're successful. Oh, yeah, you know, so they'll have a good performance and they go, yeah, but, mm. and. I always think you've just got, like I always talk about accurate statements. Mm. So because because what yes but does is, is yes but says you're not what you think you are, mm. and so you lower the way you currently sit, and that's actually unfair to you. And so I think it's really important that when you do a performance, just do accurate statements. Just say okay, well um, I ran a three hour marathon or three whatever the marathon is. Um, I wanted to do a two forty five, mm. but. So that was a three-hour run, you know. So I am a three-hour runner, not I'm a shit runner, mm. or I suck at running, or I can't perform on the day. Just on that day, here's what I ran, and then you can look into the reasons why, mm-hmm. uh, so you can get a bit more descriptive or look for more detail into the why. But you know, so many people just undermine themselves in a way that makes them feel disappointed in themselves, even when they have good performances. Mm. And you know, and it's like you've got to own your good, mm. you know, because if, if you never own your good, where's the enjoyment? And the 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 beauty of triathlon is it's a long race and you've got you got you know, yeah. four or five different components to it six components or so and so there's always going to be something good if you're doing a hundred meter sprint race it's a little bit harder you yeah. still got they still can really break that down but there's plenty of top space to go right what did I do good what did I do average what have I really got to work on um, then I'd step back and and look at your preparation so in your case Mick you know you pulled out with a sore ankle. I'd actually then go back, look through your training peaks, look, did I actually prepare correctly for this race and were my expectations in line with where my fitness is at? Uh, So having your expectations in line is really important so you don't go out there with inflated goals or inflated expectations that you're probably never going to to reach and you're going to come away uh, disappointed. So analysing your preparation is really important. Uh, And then you'd decide on the changes you're going to make. So was it a preparation error that you got wrong? Was it a mental issue you got wrong on the day? Was it a nutritional issue? Were you injured and you shouldn't have probably been racing anyway? Uh, so then decide on the changes that you're going to make and commit to those moving forward uh, and then move on. Um, so that's kind of the, the five-step process that I would go through. Be pragmatic. Um, analyze your performance. In a realistic way. In a realistic way. Analyze your preparation. Decide what change you're going to make and then move on and just flush it down the dunny. And I think one thing when we think about deciding what change we want to make is is one thing I've learned a lot in helping beginner exercises and in the book I'm writing about right now, I'm talking about this, is that you've always got to think about the right level of stretch. Mm-hmm. And what I mean with stretch is how much growth you're aiming for. A lot of people set themselves up for failure because they stretch mm-hmm. too much based on time frame they have in front of them and ability. And so when you think about the development pathway of you, when you look back on this performance and maybe there were some areas where um, you didn't perform, but maybe it's because you actually set yourself up to fail. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing to understand. It's like we've all met the athlete who's come along and, you know, said, oh, I want to do a nine-hour Ironman. And you go, what have mm. you done before this? Oh, it's my it's first time coming. swimming. <laughs> you, know, it's yeah. like, you know, and it's like, well, you've got a lot of stretches in front of you to be able to get to that point. And so I think one thing to always ask yourself as a part of this post-race analysis is, was your goal realistic? based on and and I always think you've got to look to evidence so based on your training based on previous races was the expectation you put on yourself a, sure it should have been a stretch hmm. um, so let's say you're a let's just use the running analogy let's say you want to do a three-hour marathon and you've done a you know three eight in the past hmm. you know you've trained really well your training times have showed that you, you could probably pull it off but it needed to be an a day okay if it was a three and a half and your training times wasn't showing it hmm. 
then you've set yourself up to fail. Mm. And I do think it's really important, and that's where you need good mentors and guidance around you, because that's that's where, unfortunately, a lot of people, when they're setting up their goals, they just pick a number out of the year, Mm. you know, and it's like, your, your goals should be based on evidence of training and ability and skills alongside some really wise guidance of someone who has a lot of knowledge around how, you know, the race and so and stuff like that. So it's another good thing to think about as you're, you know, have you actually set yourself up for failure from day one? In your specific example, Mick, though, you, you pulled out of a race um, with, with a sore ankle. So when it comes to injuries and stuff and sickness, then you've got to decide, should I have actually been racing? And if the answer is no and you pulled out, then you don't want to be too hard on yourself. Yep. That being said, you really don't want to be making a habit of pulling out of races at all because then it just becomes the easier option. So, Especially when you're going against tough, eh? Yeah, so I'd be very, very careful uh, going into races with, with giving yourself that option. Uh, next point I had about pulling out... Um, yeah, having a plan. What have, what have I written here, Bevan? Have a plan so you're ready to tackle most challenges oh, right, that might yeah. come up. Yeah. So race planning really, really important. Oh. Uh, so if there's area, and I would have said this a million it times. It blows on my the mind show. away. People like we had a guy doing the marathon in Queenstown. Good athlete, really good athlete. You know, he's a good runner, disciplined, hardworking, and kind of never he's done a few marathons and never really nailed it. And I was, gave my heart to him, what do you do, your plan? He goes, oh, no. Just, so we did a plan, nailed it. He goes, oh, Bevan, it's genius, the plan works. <laughs> like, so I think there's a few specific points I want to make here is think about the areas where you've been mentally weak in the past if that is an issue for you. And to be honest, it's an issue for everybody being mentally weak at some point of the race. Yep. Some are stronger than others. Um, however, um, in the swim, it's normal, very normal for people to have panic attacks and if you're somebody that has had this in the past, you've got to have a strategy on how you're going to mitigate those factors. And if it happens, what are you going to do? Rather than just hoping like how you'll be okay. It is very normal for people to have panic attacks. So I think that's that's another point. Uh, and then, you know, for me, you know, and for most people, crunch point is usually around the two-thirds mark of both the bike and the run. And so having a plan around that is when I get to that point, if I'm starting to to you know pack a sad and and be a little bit mentally weak, then what am I going to do? And just have your whatever processes they are in place to try to minimise any losses in those periods. So you know that's fairly obvious. You know two thirds into the run, it's probably going to start to get pretty difficult. So I'm going to do boom, 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 boom. Likewise on the bike. You know if you're doing an Ironman bike ride, we all know what it's like. That sort of 140k mark of the bike you're like yeah I'm a bit over this and having some plans in places um, because that's when it gets tough uh, and then again another point I'm pulling out of races in the race I generally say um, when you're starting to feel rubbish and you want to you know throw in the towel generally you've just got to suck it up and adjust start to you know check your nutrition status um, start to you know have a little bit of a stretch um, and, and starting that process from the beginning of the bike ride so for example a lot of the athletes that I work with I'll say right you know have your watch beeping you know every 20 30 k's or, or a yeah. time or whatever start stretching your back early in the bike ride so it won't come back to, to, to bite you later on um, I will say if you're sick going into a race really not that wide. If you've got a chest infection yeah. stuff, this is actually, you know, it's becoming more and more highlighted more and more by medical professionals, research, etc. It's not tough to race. You really should just go, far out. I've spent a year invested in this. Um, but that's when you can start having some lot, real long-term health issues. 
Um, and if you're injured, you just have to you know, come up with a plan before the race and try to be smart with your decision making. So I guess Mick, for you, you, know, you had a bit of an injury, you've got to just gonna go through that sort of post-race analysis and decide you know, whether you really should have been racing or not. And if you should, and if you're, um, yeah, if you're capable of carrying on, you can sort of go through those steps and try not to let it happen again. One thing I'll add to it, John, is um, don't, don't make it a stamp of your identity. You know, because I think a lot of people, where they have a bad experience, what they do is they use that as an experience to reinforce something that they struggle with within themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, bad race performances are a part of the game. Mm. You know, if you're going to do endurance sports and you're going to race a lot, there's, there's a broad range of the experiences you're going to have. Now, ideally, we want to be a consistent high performer and we want to learn the, the, the strategies and tools and mindsets that allow us to do that but we're always going to have those bad days mm-hmm. and for a lot of people they'll use that bad day to just reinforce things that they see themselves as, as wrong within themselves and i think it's just really important when you have a bad day just to just to see it as a bad day this was a bad performance it doesn't represent anything other than that where is my learning within this performance and how do i develop myself so that next time i face a situation like this i can actually move forward through this situation and it's just a really healthy way to approach it because a lot of people um they'll just have that one bad experience and then they go yeah see I, i'm a quitter mm. you know i'm not tough you know, and then what that does is because what when we think about our identity, what we tend to do is we tend to use experiences to reinforce identity. Now, on a positive note, when you have lots of good races and you start to see yourself, I'm the person who delivers, that's a good kind of reinforcement you want. But when you have those bad races, if you kind of have this ownership of a character trait, that means that you will always be a failure. That's not healthy for you. So if you are doing that, kind of stamping this performance onto an identity, just don't do that. Just kind of say, okay, well, it's just a bad performance. Where's my learning? And how do I develop myself that next time if I were to face a situation like this, I would be better prepared to actually win that moment. So, yeah, it's just really important because a lot of people are way too hard on themselves, John. Exactly. Yeah, so it's just yeah, something just to think about there as well. I was listening acutely there, Bevan, but I was also looking at our... Wanger. Oh, actually, no, we're doing an interview now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here's Sorry. an interview. Interview Tim O'Donnell. Here he comes. Here we go, here's Tim O'Donnell. Okay, guys, um, it's been a long time since we had the last Kona. It was bloody over a, over a year ago, but the guy that got second in that race uh, is Tim O'Donnell, who's going to be with us today. Uh, today's interview is presented to you by UCAN. Tim was also involved in the Daytona race, and as I was spectating, uh, he was pretty much the only iron distance guy that was in the, in the mix on the bikes. So it was, uh, it was looking good there for a while. So welcome along to the show, Tim. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, pleasure to be back. Um, obviously, this year has been, been a real challenge. One of my first questions for you was going to be uh, how you sort of managed through, through you know, all the lockdowns and, and so on. I guess from a, from a training point of view, what did you do? And, and also from a motivational point of view? Whew, motivation was definitely hard. Um, I am, I'd consider myself a racer, not so much a trainer anymore. And I just really live for those race days. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, when you don't have them, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to get out the door. So my coach, Julie Dibbins and Matt Botchel, my cycling coach, um, <laughs> earlier in the year, I actually kind of went rogue for a couple of days. Brittany and I were just like, oh, we're going to go for like a little road trip. And we just sort of disappeared. So they're like, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do three weeks. You're going to be super focused. And then the next week you can do, or, or the fourth week, you can do whatever you want. So I kind of went on three weeks on a week off of kind of on my own, um, 
and that gave us some time to just have some fun, do some different training, take some time for the family. Um, yeah. And just, uh, keep a good balance. What did you learn about life? You know, because you've been a pro athlete for such a long time now and it's kind of, you know, I'm sure having children kind of shifted things as well, but, um, did you learn anything about your life that you maybe wouldn't have learned if you hadn't had this year? Yeah. I learned that we really are never home that much. (laughs) It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Just being at home, but, uh, I mean, in all honesty, it was it was good for us just to take a step back um, and get you know even more time just with Izzy. Um, and you know, when you're training almost the whole year round, you, you do miss out on just kind of some fun adventure type of family stuff. Um, you know, obviously we go on a lot of adventures and we're off going to races and things like that. But uh, to be able to just to go on some road trips and prioritize, really just prioritize the family was um, pretty special. Did you, did you start to prepare for any races? You know, I know you, that Daytona was on the horizon, so you're thinking, fingers crossed that's going to happen. Um, did you actually start preparing for any races that eventually did get cancelled? I, you know, uh, short of early in the year, you know, at the very start of the year, I was actually in pretty good shape. Um, and I had, was just about to go to, um, I think Saudi Arabia for a, uh, a super league race, which would have been really fun. Um, so, you know, I was getting ready for that, but after that, I, I'm too far in my career to really, um, to hedge, <laughs> to hedge on races that may or may not happen. So I didn't want to use, um, you know, you only have so many, uh, so many bullets you can fire. I didn't want to use them all on races that may or may not happen. So it wasn't until the PTO champs that I really just, you know, was okay with, um, training, training for an event. And how far before that did you decide, okay, like what kind of time frame did you give yourself to actually prepare for that race to be peak for that race? Yes. I mean, we kind of, with the training schedule, we did that three weeks on kind of week easy. It actually kept me in pretty decent shape. So my whole goal is to have six, to be in uh, a place where in six to eight weeks I could really be race ready. And, uh, you know, I think we did that pretty well. By the time October rolled around, it was, uh, you know, I celebrated my 40th on October 1st and then it was kind of, it was all business until Daytona. And when you're preparing for Daytona, you know, maybe give us a contrast how that would be different. So compared to preparing for, for Kona, you know, obviously half, well, it was, it was shorter than a half Ironman. Um, but how did your training differ between say the two preparations? Yeah, it was actually kind of a lot of fun. Um, just to do something different. It's, what's crazy was like when the normal, normal Kona weekend rolled around like mid October, it's like after that, it's like, I'm just, I'm in this like rhythm that I just didn't like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, it should be off season right now. It's almost like you just subconsciously went into off season mode. So um, the shorter kind of new training, I think really helped me get through that. Um, I didn't have to, I wasn't doing a lot of long rides. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks I didn't really ride over three or three and a half hours, but it was just almost intensity every day in every session. Um, I did some K repeats with Justin Metzler and Brad Weiss. Uh, and I haven't run that fast in training in a long time, like probably a decade. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a shock to be doing that kind of short intense stuff again. Uh, but it was also nice because it was just time-wise, it, was, it wasn't as demanding as, um, you know, a normal Kona block where you're going out and, you know, you're doing a six and a half, seven hour ride, which means you're kind of gone for at least eight hours, right? With stops mm. and 
things like that. So uh, it definitely was nice to have that condensed training schedule, um, even with all the intensity. How did the body handle the higher intensity? Ooh, uh, it, <laughs> it definitely had, yeah, I, like it, it's, it's harder. And I had it in one of the things also with the pandemic, I kind of got off of my normal routine of body work and chiropractic visits and things like that. So I had to like get myself back in that routine pretty quickly, or I would think I would have broken myself. Yeah. Um, but you know, I have great recovery partners like with Adaday and champions and legends, which is my CBD partner. Um, you know, I've learned that you have to take care of yourself and you have to be smart and you have to do the extras. So, uh, it just took me kind of getting back into that routine, um, uh, to keep me in one piece. So, so going into the race, what were, what were your goals and your sort of expectations, knowing the, the field that was in front of you, the distance that was, was coming up, what were you hoping to come out <laughs> the other end with? I actually, I did not have super high expectations. I wanted, I, I thought I could get top 10 and if I was in really great shape, top five. And, um, in all honesty, I, that was completely as the way the race played out. It was those are completely obtainable. Um, you know, I just didn't didn't run well. Um, but I spent most of this fall getting my ass kicked by the young guys in training. So I was like, man, I don't even know. Like, kind of got to the start line. Am, am I even relevant right now? Am I, I going <laughs> to totally get crushed here? <laughs> um, and I had a bad swim. Um, but like immediately I got on the bike and I felt really strong and, and bridged up to that front group pretty quickly. So that kind of gave me just like, okay, you know, you're, uh, get those stupid thoughts out of your head. You know, you're, you're still, you know, very, very competitive. And, um, you know, when you're prepared properly, like you are for Kona, um, you're a threat. And, and how did it, how, how was the bike ride? You know, there, there was that, the 20 meter draft rule. So maybe again, contrast it with, with Kona, you know, Kona's, what is it? 12, 12 meters, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got a, a long pace line and, and I know there was a long pace line at times in Daytona. So maybe contrast the two, two events and how different it is having the 20 versus the 12 or, or was there not much difference? Uh, yeah, no, 20 meters is amazing. Um, it definitely makes it harder to just kind of hold on. And, you know, a lot of, um, I mean, there's obviously some aerodynamic benefits when you get closer, um, up to the guy in front of you, but a lot of it's mental too and psychological that, you know, you're just using them to like, okay, like don't think of anything else. Like you don't have to think, right. You like just hold this gap. And as further and further back you get, the harder it is to just hold that, um, and to stay in that mindset. So I thought it was great. Um, I, I really enjoyed the bike. Um, it is so different than Kona. Uh, I mean, there's no undulations. You're not getting out of the saddle. And if you're a guy that rides a trainer every day and rides it in your aero position, you are going to have a lot of success at that race. And I think Matt Hansen's perfect, perfect example. You know, he finished second, um, great, you know, solid bike an amazing run, but that guy can sit on the trainer all day and he can hop off and crush himself on a treadmill right after. And that's kind of, kind of the recipe to i think success in daytona just just your thoughts on the course is this a course that you think long term should be a repeat championship course uh i definitely think it should be a professional race um i thought it worked really well for the television coverage um and it was actually a lot fairer than i thought it's hard the thing is when you're going that fast you know everybody's going 30 miles an hour it's a lot harder to you know, it takes a lot more power to go up to 31 or 32 miles an hour, um, mm-hmm. like to actually get some distance. So 
I don't, it's a course that's definitely hard to, I think, make a difference on the bike in my head, you know, we're in that group of six or seven guys on the front in my head, that was a whole race. I'm like, sweet. Like this is a top 10 right here. Um, and then you don't realize that it's their own, the rest of the field is only 75 seconds back or something pretty, pretty close. Right. Mm. So, um, I would, I don't know if it's, yeah, I loved it. I think it makes for great coverage. I would have loved to see like if, like drama of getting lapped out, you get pulled off the course, like an IT race. Yeah. Like imagine like people foaming at the mouth, trying not to get lapped out or, you know, <laughs> you know, you got, you got a good runner in the front groups, like trying to run that good runner down. Um, so he's out of the race type of thing. Uh, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of fun, fun things you can do on a course like that. So and the team, the team running at the challenge America, North America team and Bill Christie and all those guys did a fantastic job. Just, just one thing. We, we'll talk about PTO in a little minute, but just what was it like? You know, this, the PTO seems to be a really good thing for the pros and, and the organisation mm-hmm. looking towards the future. But has it shifted the the camaraderie with the pro athletes when you go to a race like this now? Because there is this kind of universal sense of we're trying to build something that's good for all of us. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great it was a great environment, and you know, we are all kind of in the same two hotels and. Um, yeah, that's kind of, I think it did bring us all together and it was really important for the PTO, for the, for the buy-in um, of the, of the athletes. And that was, you know, one of our biggest goals this year. It's, you know, we need to get the, the whole pro, you know, fields to understand how good this is for all of us and, and to want to help grow it because it, at the end of the day, it's up to us to grow it. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, this, we need to see this as our baby and, and, you know, we got to take care of it. And so, so your run, your run obviously didn't look like it was amazing. Um, was it just a case no. <laughs> of hanging, hanging on with whatever you had in the tank? Too, too many okay repeats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I left it out. No, you know, I think, um, you know, I was over 50 seconds down and out of the water and Sam Appleton and I were able to bridge up to the front. And that was a big effort. Um, honestly, I just don't think I was fit enough. Um, I think just think that's what it comes down to. Um, I, you know, I was running okay for the first four miles, but you know, the bike effort was obviously a pretty big bike effort. And I just, uh, yeah, just didn't have the fitness to back it up. I think it's pretty it's easy as that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No excuse. Um, yeah, no, yeah. It just wasn't fit enough. <laughs> yeah. The last time we spoke to you, I think was, um, was pre Kona when you, when you finished second place and you'd recently, fairly recently signed on with, um, with UCAN. So I was really interested to know, you know, obviously you had, and it's just an amazing day in, in Kona. Um, I was just interested to know how you actually used UCAN on the day, because I think we spoke to you maybe after you'd done Boulder or something like that. Um, Kona's different conditions, obviously worked well for you. You were strong throughout. So how do you actually use UCAN on, on race day in Kona? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a, a, a pivotal part of my nutrition plan. Um, and for me, I truly believe one of the biggest reasons I had a strong back half of that marathon in Kona. Um, I'm usually, you know, the year before 2018, I was running up front with Braden and, and uh, Patrick um, who eventually won. And, you know, I felt fine at 10 miles and all of a sudden I just didn't have anything, you know, Harvey wasn't high, but just, just kind of fell off. Um, and yeah, I didn't have that last year. So uh, I really, you know, incorporating new can into my um, pre and um, you know, during, uh, on the day in Kona was, was super important. You know, a couple, a couple scoops of, you know, uh, a lemon or the orange before the race, um, kind of sipping on that. And then everything for me is focused on the bike. You know, you, you hit the run, you better be properly fueled. Um, cause 
you cannot catch up. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I would mix, um, you know, scoop and a half to scoop and two thirds in each bottle of plain you can with a high glycemic carb. And that was the basis of my, my bike nutrition. And for the, you know, our audience that may not be familiar with you can, it's, um, it's kind of like a slow release carb. So, and it's consistent. So if you're kind of, you know, taking it during the bike, it's going to, at a, a linear rate, um, kind of like an IV drip go into your, into your, um, system. So, you know, I was able to kind of almost overload a little bit on the bike. So I had all that, um, kind of consistent baseline energy from you can on the run and then just supplement with some, um, you know, high glycemic stuff. And it was really my, um, recipe for success. Very nice. Um, and how do you, do you carry it just in insulated bottles or how are you actually carrying it you know, from a practical point of view? Yeah, just bottles. Um, usually I, you know, ride, run arrow bottles. Um, I, I used an insulated bottle once in Kona and they, it just takes up so much of like the capacity of the bottle. Mm. It didn't really make sense. So um, it's all about saving those watts with the aerodynamics on the bike. Right. So yeah, um, I'll, I just have to take a warm drink and just suck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I know you said, you know, you're a racer and I know you also said you recently turned 40. Um, so do you have any plans for, for 2021? You know, it looks like maybe it might be a little bit more normal next year. Um, fingers yeah, crossed. do you have any plans? Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, I'm hoping by the time this summer rolls around, I, I don't have high hopes for the early season races, to be honest, uh, yeah. particularly here in the U S but, uh, yeah, my plan is Collins cup, the PTOs, um, kind of big, uh, international competition, uh, in May. And that's at Samarin challenge Samarin and then challenge Roth will be kind of the focus of my oh, summer. Nice. Finally got yeah, to get there. Um, you were supposed to go a few years ago, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I was supposed to go la- or, or this year. Um, and it was going to be an amazing field. They had the po- both the men and women's podium from Kona from yeah. last year. And I believe everybody's still coming in 2021. So I hope Great. it's, just as good of a uh, as a uh, competition, and then have of course, you, Conan. Have, you, have, you, have you done it before? I've never done it. Now, Rini did it in fourteen, and uh, definitely regret I didn't go out to watch her. I ended up racing, did a seventy point three here in the U.S., and I did horrible. I'm like, <laughs> man, I could have been out and partying in Germany and watching Rini kick ass and win races. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Just, just a random question. You know, you are kind of in, in the, the late part of your career. What do you wish you knew, knew earlier on that you know now? Uh, I wish I had started taking UCAN earlier in college. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good sponsored athlete you are, I tell you. Yeah, man, I tell you what, no, I look at, yeah, I had some. Ah, uh, man, I think. I definitely think I could have had some better races in Kona a little younger. Um, but. Uh, it's so hard to say because, you know, sometimes you just have to learn your lessons yourself. You know, people yeah. can tell you stuff and I've seen that a lot with Rennie. I think she's seen me do some stupid stuff and, um, but you know, she can't really say anything to me. It just has to, I have to figure it out myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just- I've always prioritized Kona and I, I've missed out on, I think I could have like, I, I haven't won a ton of Ironmans in my life. I could have, if I cherry picked Ironmans, I think I could have won a lot more Ironmans, but, Um, you know, I don't regret, I've always just focused on Kona and trying to win that race. And, um, it's really what drives me in the sport. So, um, so just a few questions on the, on the PTO. So maybe just fill us in on what your role is. Um, and then we've got a couple of other questions as well. 
Yeah. Um, I am the co-president of the athlete board along with Rachel Joyce and uh, the mission of the PTO, um, which is professional triathletes organization is to just celebrate the sport, um, raise awareness of the sport um, by highlighting, particularly highlighting the professional race. So, um, you know, we're hoping to get some more big events, uh, increased television coverage and kind of go from there. And with regards to Daytona um, and, and your other events, probably specifically Daytona, if that stays as a championship race and it's a bit big money race, I'm sure you guys have discussed the challenges you're going to face when we've actually got a normal race calendar. We were discussing on last week's show, you know, when you've got Kona in October um, and you've had the 70.3 champs before that, you probably have Super League to mix in. And so it's going to be probably a bigger challenge to get, you know, a championship field in December. Is, is, Is Daytona looking like it's going to sort of carry on to be a championship race or is it too early to say at this stage? Yeah, I think it's a little too early to say, especially with the um, complications of, you know, with the pandemic and planning. Um, but, you know, maybe we can move it a little earlier. That's something I would love to see um, because it is such a well-supported race. And I think for me, there's so much potential for that to be a wildflower type of event where it is like, it's a party weekend, you know, it's a celebration, celebration yeah. of the sport. Um, you know, you turn on, uh, like the, you watch the television coverage of uh, college football, you turn on college game day on ESPN and everybody's tailgating and, you know, drinking in the morning. It's like, wow, you know, like you could really focus on this, you know, just that side of like that celebration um, that you could do at Daytona when there's, you know, RV parking. And there was a good crowd of uh, RVs of people just hanging out, living there, enjoying it and um, just kind of soaking it up. But, uh, you know, going back to, you know, the, how athletes are going to pick races, um, you know, particularly when, you know, there should have been 70.3 worlds, what a week before the PTO champs this year. Um, I think this, I think the PTO champs this year was a great, um, way for the athletes to really, you know, understand how important the PTO is. And I think, I don't think they re- anybody regretted going to the race. I think they, they saw the value um, just even the behind the scenes and the content creation that we've never had before. Athletes have full access to the photos from the event. You know, there's no other event, um, particularly big event championship race where the race, uh, the event owners are saying, here's free, free photos to use, give them to your partners. They can use them for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so that added support for the athletes, those type of little things, um, they're, you know they're really important um yeah i mean i hate racing after thanksgiving in the u.s but uh i'll, I'll definitely do it for the pto in daytona <laughs> just with your role within the pto how much how much actually work is that for you like if you were to say it's so many hours a week how much of time of your time is it taking up it, it's actually pretty solid there's a lot of constant kind of emails going through in terms of policies and things like that um you know monthly board meetings uh at a minimum uh, and, you know, we're forming committees, um, as well to kind of address other areas. You know, we're, we, we have our own kind of, um, you know, anti-doping committee. We have athlete development committee, uh, lots of things like that. Uh, you know, we're working on kind of like the health insurance type, um, opportunities, uh, retirement plans, things like that. So behind the scenes, like the athlete board is really, you know, the commercial side of the PTO is handling the actual, um, running of the events and uh, the media content creation. And we're trying to 
really put together the plan for athlete advocacy and, and programs uh, for athlete support. Great. Awesome. Love your work. Um, if people want to follow you guys, um, you'll follow you in particular. What are you guys up to in terms of, uh, you know, handles and websites and YouTube channels? Oh, et yeah. Well, yeah, the Tim and Rennie show, uh, we're on our third season right now. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. So you can check out our uh, YouTube channel, Tim and Rennie show, uh, Tim and show.com. And then um, we actually have something really exciting coming up in January too. Um, along the lines of uh, kind of a, some, some coaching opportunities that we're going to be uh, endorsing. So uh, yeah, check out Superfly coaching and um, we're going to be doing some fun stuff with them come January. We'll, we'll have more to announce uh, in early January, but don't, don't commit don't commit right now if, if you're looking for uh, <laughs> you're, doing the you're doing the tease you're doing the tease awesome oh well, thanks very much for your time we know you've got uh, an extended family coming your way sometime soon so all the best with that and uh look forward to seeing you kick some butt next year in roth oh thanks yeah i can't wait john your thoughts uh he's still uh, you, you often think we, we talk about the end of his career and stuff but we've got to just take a step back and remember 12 months ago, he was second in Kona. Yeah. He's been around for a long time. Yeah. But he's and, still... and, and science and t- training and recovery. Like, I, I, I think we're probably going to see 43 being the end of the career now. Yeah. You know still... what I mean? Like, I think, you know, like, how old's Frodo? I'm going to say okay, 36 that. is going to be my guess. You reckon they're young? Uh, I'm going to say 38, 39. Yeah. Okay. I think we're, we're in the right ballpark, but I'd say that. Uh, Anyhow, yeah, finished second in Kona 12 months ago, and he is towards the end of his career, but still second. 39. 39, okay. So can you see him being competitive at Kona for another two or three years? If he stays injury-free, yeah. 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 So I think we are seeing, with the evolution of science and training and understanding and body care and all the rest of it, that 40 is not necessarily that old. Well, it's old, but it's not the end of your career old. For long course races. Yeah, for, oh, definitely not for mm. short course, but... Um, uh, today's interview is brought to you by you can so use the promo code IMTalk and you get 15% off at most of these stores only 10% off if you're in the UK go to generationyoucan.com smartfuel smartperformancenutrition.ca for Canada and Australia generationyoucan.com.au and New Zealand superstarch.co.uk and for 10% off generationyoucan.com .co.uk fantastic product I'm going to be cranking it over the next uh, little period as I try to A lose a little bit of weight but also get myself ready and prime for this uh, um, off-road triathlon that I'm going to be doing so ready of, and primed yeah so I find it really really good because I'm yeah, as I said got a little bit of jelly around the belly I want it to come <laughs> off um, but so I've started doing you know do more fasted rides and then um, for my longer ones I won't be having any breakfast or anything just some you can before I go out and just fueling with it uh, throughout so performance wise it helps but also really helps me in terms of uh, losing a few pounds the as well jelly around the belly have you heard that one that's a famous New Zealand saying as well apparently flush down the belly flush down the dunny <laughs> jelly in the belly wanger of the week <laughs> wanger <laughs> of the week another famous New Zealand and saying I'm saying number 50 John well I'll, I'll go there in a second I was just because what I was doing while you were giving your insight just before uh, not no, listening yeah I yeah, hear. yeah our first place uh, this week's wearing of the week or last week's wearing of the week was uh, David David 
Liversidge, uh, who looks like he's from Auckland. And I, I couldn't f- check things out, but he had swim time 33 hours and two minutes. Oh, my I think golly that's gosh. an error because I couldn't find a really long swim oh, okay. in there. So it may be an error. But if it wasn't, David, amazing effort. Sonia Pippin actually wrote, wrote us an email. She's often the leader. Yeah, and she's just she's not doing much triathlon right now. I think she got run injuries, um, so she's not. But she's just biking, biking up a beast. Up a she's a biking up a beast. What was that number fifty, John? Mark Funkster Brooks. Oh, nice. Sure he's a patron of the show. Three hours seventeen swimming, six hours fifty one biking, two hours and twenty one twenty nine minutes of running, and for twelve hours thirty seven minutes, fiftieth place. Nice work. She's him and I are pretty work. similar to an ability in running. He's done a 118. I've done a 118. It's 36 for a 10. 5Ks, 18. Mine's 13, but the month's not right. I, I, admittedly, I don't think my server time is as fast as I probably could go, but right now, we're pretty even. So Mark's from London, and I'm just trying to... My eyes, I can't 317 marathon. what his profile picture is. I think he's... It's, it's, it, I think... Okay, here's what I think. It's Deadpool sitting on a seat. I think you could be right. There's definitely somebody sitting in a, a stadium sort of seat somewhere. So nice week. Mark's been pretty consistent all the way through this year, to be honest. He had a nice big week somewhere in uh, in November, but pretty consistent, especially given you guys in, the, in Great Britain are going through tough times, tough lockdowns. Uh, you're still keeping it up. So good work, Mark. Mark, you are this week's Wanger, Wanger of, the of the Week. week. Okay, John, but let's go questions and answers. And we've got one question here. Uh, it's more of a comment from Jordan Blanco, which was fantastic. She wanted to point out that the run splits in Challenge Daytona for Anne Haug and Vincent Louis, uh, two speediest runners on the, well, not quite the speediest runners on the course, but their times included the their penalties. penalties. Oh, really? So, so Matt Hansen ran a 57.21. Uh, Vincent Louis ran a 101.05, but you've got to take two minutes off that. So he's still got um, smoked by Matt Hansen, which is thoroughly But do you impressive. think he kind of didn't have the heart once he knew his penalty? Well, the thing was he was running with Matt Hansen. I'm not sure if he served his penalty at the start of the run or he not. He did, he did. So he, yeah, so he yeah, got he did, dropped. Because I, I remember saying I, I watched his technique as he came out of the penalty box. Mm, so he got dropped by Matt Hansen, which is... Uh, Highly impressive by Hanson. Uh, and Anne Haug's time is 105.01. So I guess she ran a 103.01, which is awesome. Yeah, it's good times. So thanks for that, Jordan. Okay, John, what's your swim set? Today's swim set, we uh, did a bit of a practice run for our 101.00s, which is next weekend. So we jumped in, we did 400 warm up, we did two by 133 metre IMs, because it's a 33 metre pool. Then we did Four times 66 metres or 66.6 metres build up. So starting easy for the first part of the, the 66 metres and building up to fast. And then we did 2100s on the 145 uh, because that's the type of the set we're yep. going to do for next week. And just get yourselves into a prime. Beautiful morning. Water was a bit warmer. Had a big long line of swimmers in there. Happy days. Are you going to do a warm up before you do your 100 100? No, straight in. I mean, the times we're doing them on is pretty easy for us to hit. Yep. Um, and we want to try to keep the group together. So the way we're going to be doing it next week is we do every 20th one, we have one minute bonus rest. So on your okay. 20th one, you can do a bit of backstroke, breaststroke, just to loosen up shoulders yep. and grab like a something, something some little lolly or something on the so end. Wait, on, on the time, how long does it take you? So we'll probably be coming in between 1.30 and 1.35. Um, this is a really slow pull. Normally I'd probably say we'd do them on the 140, but 145, it's a little bit easier for the reading the clock. You can just go boom. Every time I come in, I know I'll be going on the fifteen thirty or the. the and for you, um, what kind of 
what you know what are you mainly swimming them in um it's 130 to 135 okay and you're just sitting in have little gaps between each person so it's not it's a really comfortable pace but it's 10k swimming we're does in Pete there. o'brien still do the sport no he's just cycles uh-huh. broken uh so we'll be in the water for just under three hours Pete o'brien was the best person to ever swim with he could have a conversation <laughs> and like you'd literally you'd, you'd be doing something like that you get 10 seconds rest so you begin the pool, you'd be talking about something, you do a lap, 10 seconds up, and you just continue on with the conversation, take off, 10 seconds up. It's like you, by the end of the hour of swimming, you've got the whole conversation finished, but he was like, he finished one word, get up, the next word would happen. It was, bloody, it was, it was an art form, John. It was a bloody art form. Okay, John, let's go That's patrons. It. Patrons, we've got Christopher Raging Ranky. We've got Lee at 20 Eyes Spore. Somebody was at my race at the weekend, Matt, don't walk over me, Anderson. He had the whole fun hour up there. He had his uh, two of his boys racing. I think one was Thomas and one was, can't remember the other one. Um, but yeah, well, three of them raced. I don't actually know how Matt did. I might put, look it up now. You, you carry on with the next one. Oh, is it, I'm going to say David Gidge. Yep. Gidge. Uh, he's a trimmer, so we obviously thought Hedge. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're pretty obvious we are. Yeah. Jumbo sponsors. Uh, you can. Uh, so you can is what what's the tagline here? A sports nutrition that gives you the longest lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. Uh, we also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, go to www.imtalk.me. Big thank you to all the patrons. You know who you are. You really support the show. You absolutely rock. And you do that by going to imtalk.me. You get a call name, support the boys, and so on. If you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. If you want my podcast, actually, I did a really good interview on my podcast yesterday, John, mm-hmm. with a digital. Devices specialist for children, right? So for parents, get my son to read, listen to that. Well, it, it was actually really good. Mm. So I think if you're a parent who struggle with devices, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. A lady called Yasmin London, um, and she had some really cool insight around it. So I'd highly recommend everyone having listened to that one. Um, age group of the week, cool websites, other feedback. You can either send us an email at iamtalkpodcast at gmail or just go directly to our website. John. Oh, I know. Matt Anderson, he did the aqua bike option at the weekend, finished in eighth place, nice. swam a 36, and then rode a 2.45, which did is. Did Porno go out and help you? No, he was uh, not available. Oh. Then he had his son, Thomas Anderson, who did. He did the junior race, did 49.33. Nice work. And then his other son, Cameron, did. Also did the junior race at 45.57s. Nice work, family. They came up with a camper van. Camper van, perfect. You pull up the camper van. You're literally, you know, 50 metres from transition. You run past your camper van. If you really wanted to have a little nap, you could have done that. It was the start of the run course. So good on them. Came up from, uh, where are they from? Geraldine, I think. (laughs) Get a a camper van. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Okay, what's your your goss, John? Um, Found your Christmas shopping. Yeah, we were locked and loaded with Christmas shopping ages ago. We're sorted, so you, that's all good. You happy with what you got, kids? Uh, yes, I am. They'll be happy. Yes, they got a couple of boring. Pre- well, Felicity's main present was a new bike, or a new <laughs> secondhand bike, and she's already got that. And Tom, one of Tom's presents is a new laptop. He needs that for school. A little bit boring as well, but they have got plenty of other stuff. Blinda gets. She certainly doesn't get carried away with some people, but they're still getting a Santa sack, and I'm like, they're a bit old for that shit. No. Yeah. So I think uh, this year my family. And I, I kind of agree, but then I don't like it. Is Joe's family? We do the secret center. Mm. So you get a name. Does everybody get vouchers? No, no, no. no, no we do actually try to buy them, but yeah, and you kind of go a bit out because you're only buying for one. Mm. So you, you know, you drop a bit of money on them. Um, my family buy for everyone, mm-hmm. and we try not to buy vouchers because we try to, you know, mm-hmm. think of the person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a lot more on my family than Joe's mm-hmm. family. But this year, the suggestion was made we, we do the Secret Santa, mm-hmm. which I like because it's way cheaper for us, mm-hmm. but it means I get less. <laughs> so I suggest that maybe everyone else does Secret Santa, but not for me. But not, yeah. yeah. Although in saying that, when everyone goes, what do you want for Christmas? I go, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Now, my race, well, my week was dominated by the race. It's about the only gossip I've got is uh, I normally sleep. I, I'm fine getting to sleep, but once I'm awake, it is all over Rover, so I'm not nervous or anything. But, yeah, this time I did wake up at 12.50. And I was like, oh, no. Ugh. Tried to get back to sleep for What bit. strategies do you use? Do you try to pick up a book and read? No, just try to calm my mind and, and I yeah, can't it's probably my, my version of meditation, but it doesn't, wasn't working. So I got up at yeah, just after one, did a couple of hours, of, of, of probably an hour and a half on the computer of stuff that I just need to wrap up and then tried to go back to bed, but it wasn't happening. So it was a pretty long day. It was on the, the drive home. I was finished up at the lake at about six Ugh. in the evening. I was driving home going... I probably shouldn't be driving probably right now. Probably shouldn't be driving yeah. right now. Missed the new motorway in Christchurch. Missed a turn off. Ended up at the friggin' airport. <laughs> <laughs> so, What's the new motorway like? Is it good? You can't speed on it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's slow. Um, in Christchurch. I read. I read. We, we only had, we, we, we had this, we've got a small stretch of motorway that was like, 10 kilometres if that yep. and that's our motorway the rest of Christchurch is no dual carriage well I'll tell you one the one out to Rolleston yeah. has made a massive difference so we're, we're, we're catching up with the rest of the world we've got, we've got two lane motorways now oh, three man. in places Mate, moving up in the world yeah. I Bit- remember the first time I went to Auckland when I was a kid and there was four lanes yeah it's like whoa unbelievable <laughs> um, what was I going to say yeah, my, my in? strategy is grab a book and read it because mm. you can't pick up your phone Oh, never do that, no. Yeah, no, you, you, you wake up there, but you pick it, like last night I woke up at two, and I'm normally pretty good, it's pretty rare, mm. so I picked up my Kindle, started reading about half an hour, 20 minutes later, I was back to sleep, so mm-hmm. try that. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. What's my goss, John? My goss is, I had the work party, mm-hmm. boogie the night away, John. Les Mills work party, or? We had two work parties, actually, we had the Les Mills work party on Friday night. I do like a dance. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you went out dancing? Couldn't tell you. It's probably when we were in Kona. Mm. Dude, love it, good boogie. Mm. And they had this guy who was just a singer guitarist on singing, you know, but he rocked it and we were out dancing really hard and it was good fun. And then everyone was like, let's go to town. I said, I'm going to the toilet. Mm. And left. <laughs> <laughs> that old chestnut. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to go to the toilet. You guys see it and I'll see you there. Uh, called an Uber home. That was good. And then went Tempin Bowling. Mm-hmm. You good Tempin Bowling? I do like a bit of Tempin Bowling. Well, when you go Tempin Bowling, what score are you happy with? I'm not actually quite sure. What's a good score? Is it like 100 good score? I think 100's a pass mark. Yeah. If you like one of the guys goes getting 150. Yeah. He was pretty good. good. No, yeah. I'm always happy. If I can get 100, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. But John, I had the most frustrating game. Gutter balls? No, no. No. I was bowling like I was a legend. Mm. But I couldn't get any strikes. Mm. I got, seriously, we played two games. I probably had twi- probably 40 bowls because you had two each go. Um, about 40 bowls. I probably had... A nine or an eight off of a bowl, nearly twenty times, and I had one strike in the whole When's two games. I am talk Christmas Bay. Maybe we can go there. <laughs> yep, yep, we're gonna have a family Christmas. <laughs> Tell you what, that place is human sugar. Have you been there? Yeah, it is. It's just human sugar. Games, lights, everything. But it's good fun. So did that, and then that's about it, John. Very good. Go paint the house. Nice. It's that time of year again. Yeah. What are you doing at your house right now? A lot of things we want to do. And this weekend I'll be... Uh, Make up your mind. You've been thinking about this for like a year. Oh, yeah. No. 
The pool needs doing. Roof needs doing. Oh, you need to do your roof. Yeah. Blender's pushing hard. And now the they make you put scaffolding I'm, up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm resisting the roof pretty mm. hard. <laughs> but there's quite a... You don't want leaks, John. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's the weight. Uh, but what do no, you mean the weight? Uh, it's the old... Um, they're tiled and it's just real heavy. And then, you know, with earthquakes and stuff, then you get cracks through the house. So what, you just put some old good old... Um, good old iron on. St- st- what is it? Colour steel. Colour steel. Mm. And oh, we had my t- son's... My son's off to high school next year. We had the graduation sort of ceremony. You got... School sports, sportsman of the year, so that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then the kids had to do a dance. They had to do three dances with. Uh, they'd been having dance lessons all term. What kind of dance? Uh, they were pretty basic move dance. But they had Vanessa yeah. Cole, who's like our Dancing with the Stars, sort of one of the coaches on that. Okay. And she comes in, gives some lessons. So they all had to do a dance, and they were all pretty good in terms of touching each other's hands and not being too squeamish about it. Oh. And then the fourth dance, the parent had to go in and dance with the child. So this time it was Belinda's turn. And in two years' time. I'm going to be the klutz on the dance floor. Nah, you've got the moves. I've seen you dance. You've got the yeah, moves. Fire. Just keep, make sure the foot's in the right place. Wait, Cashmere High School? Cashmere High School. Mm-hmm. Is he excited about high school? Yeah, it's going to be good. have to say, the photo of the, on Facebook that you had with the trophies, he's becoming a young man now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Hey? He's coming up for a second shave shortly. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Because I just looked I was like, oh. Yep, he's no longer just the boy. Yeah, he's, right. coming, he's becoming a man. The girls are going to start to training goes out the back door in the next year or two, John. I'll say, yeah. Other priorities start to come and play. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.